Good morning. Um, this morning, thank you, Todd. Um, this morning, as we were in the prayer room, uh, God brought a passage of scripture to mind. Uh, I'm not saying it was any great uh, prophetic message, uh, but before I share the passage of scripture, I want to provide a little context. <clears throat> um, probably about six to eight weeks ago, um, I was working through a situation uh, that had me extremely frustrated because I felt like uh, decisions were being made that have a, had a significant impact upon what we were trying to do here, but I had no say in the decision-making process. And I found that um, frustrating, to put it mildly. And as I was working through that, uh, God brought to mind a passage of Scripture, and, and I was hoping for God to bring a passage of Scripture that said, Steve, you're so right, they're a bunch of jerks. And uh, funny how sometimes God doesn't give us the passage that we're looking for. Instead, he led me to a passage in James chapter 4. And now hear this in the context of what I just told you, but also hear it in the context of the reality with which we are confronted with today. James says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. And obviously, um, we cannot do ministry effectively without making plans. Uh, but it's almost for me like I didn't get the message a couple months ago when God was trying to say, Steve, I got this. You just do your part and be obedient. And we'll figure this out together because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, we made plans for today months ago, but we didn't know what was going to happen. And so we have been adapting those plans all the way up through this morning. And we will continue to do that. Um, but I just thought it was important for me to be reminded. Me. I'm not, I don't know where you guys are at. But it was important for me to be reminded that I have a responsibility to be faithful and deal with the realities that are presented to me. And we will continue to do that to the best of our ability. We will seek to walk a balance between being responsible and attentive to those in authority over us, both church authorities and civil authorities. But we will also seek to remember that when it's all said and done, there is a greater authority who is in charge. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the next week looks like. But I suspect it will be a situation that continues to develop. So I just want to provide that little context and invite you to pray with me. Father, I thank you for the reminder that you are on the throne in the best of times, in the worst of times, and everything in between. You are on the throne when we think the future is crystal clear. And you are just as much on the throne when we don't have a clue. And, and Father, as much as we want to have a clue, as much as we want to have 
a say. Um, sometimes we have to be content to say, God, I don't get it, but we're still in your hands. And so, and so that's the attitude that we come to you with today, Father. I, as we prayed this morning, Father, I was reminded of your word that you gave to the disciples following the resurrection as you prepared to leave them again. In Matthew 28, when you said, I am with you always. And Father, that's just as true today as it was when you stood there with your, with your followers and their minds were swirling with fears and doubts. You left them by saying, I am with you always. And we celebrate that you are with us always. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. So way back before all this started, I had planned a series of messages talking about living at the crossroads. Uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the events leading up to some of the events during and some of the events immediately following what is traditionally within a church referred to as Passion Week. <clears throat> Since nothing Jesus did was by coincidence, it's reasonable to extrapolate that the things he did before the triumphal entry and before the Last Supper and before the crucifixion and the resurrection were also important to our personal faith journey. It's just that sometimes we get so focused on the big stuff that we don't catch that the stuff that happened before the big stuff was actually big stuff and stuff that has merit and value in our lives. We're going to note some of the ways where the reality of our lives intersect with the message of Christ. Our passage, passage for today in John chapter 10, in that passage we encounter a powerful challenge hiding in the middle of a warm, fuzzy story. Now, some of you who know John chapter 10 may understand that that's commonly referred to as the story about the good shepherd or the great shepherd. And there's nothing like the thought of us being a warm, cuddly sheep being doted on and cared for by a great or good shepherd to make us say, oh, isn't that nice? I feel so much better. And, and there is a part of that story where that's true. But if we peel back just a layer or two, there's some challenges there that should speak to all of us and stretch us a bit because we've read the next few chapters and we know what's to come just as D Jesus did. Today our focus is upon a set of, focus is upon a set of crossroads that could be defined in a couple of different ways. First, I'm inviting us to look at what it's like when our life intersects with the choice between obstinance and obedience. That is a choice that we all have the opportunity are invited to make. Now it's important again to put some context here to realize uh, John chapter 10 is not the only time we read about sheep. And a couple of things we pick up from other stories. Uh, one is something that Paul said in his writing where he says he's talking to folks and he's saying, love you guys, but you're all jacked up. And he says, all we like sheep have gone astray, which to me suggests that sheep must have a tendency to stray to lean toward obstinance rather than obedience. Elsewhere, Jesus is telling the story about another shepherd who realizes 
counts his sheep and says, ah, I'm supposed to have a hundred, but I'm only coming up with 99. One of those sheep has done it again and wandered off. I'm going to have to go look for him. So again, there are a couple of suggestions that maybe sometimes, now I'm not a shepherd, uh, I have seen sheep, I've not interacted with sheep very much, all right, I, I'm not pretending to, uh, I haven't even read books about sheep other than the Bible. But I think there's an inference here that there is a tendency, an inclination sometimes for sheep to wander off, but they also have the capacity to be obedient. So there, there is a choice at play here. And I'm going to do something right now that I've not done for a while. I realized um, a couple weeks ago that I had unintentionally gravitated toward a pattern that was easy for me, uh, had become natural for me, but was actually maybe conditioning some of you towards spoon feeding rather than feeding yourselves. So I'm not going to put my whole passage up there. I'm actually going to read it from the Bible, all right? I put Bible up there. It's not like I don't use the Bible, all right? But I'm going to just open a book. I know that's weird to some of you. I'm going to open a book, and I'm going to read a few verses from the book. If you happen to have a book uh, that has John chapter 10 in it, please open it. If you happen to have a device with the capacity, go there if you would. So John chapter 10 and again, the, the challenge is, and I, I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but since you don't get to watch it up there, you may have to try just a touch harder to listen. And one of the reasons I've been doing that is, maybe you haven't noticed, but when I put the scripture up there, I have to read it slower. Sometimes when I'm reading from my Bible, I get going really fast. So I will try to go slow, but you're going to have to listen. John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking. Some of you who have a fancy Bible, this is in red. All right. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't, do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So he's talking to educated people here, religious people. He tells them a story, and he gets that. Some of you who do public speaking will understand. He's looking out. He's told this great story, and they've just got that glazed over look. Like, I'm hearing the words, but I'm not with you. All right? So he says, okay, let's reboot. So, therefore, Jesus said again, didn't catch it the first time. I'm going to come at you again from a slightly different angle. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, just repeated it because you weren't paying attention the first time. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Just a couple things there, folks. Again, some of you have probably heard that before. 
and the concept is not a new one. But there are a couple things that were just buried in there that I want to make sure I pull out. As we think about obedience and we think about obstinance and the choosing between them. Jesus says, and again, I know this is not politically correct, but Jesus says, there's one right way to enter. It's just the Bible. There's one right way to enter. He says there is one right shepherd. Everything else is strangers. He said his sheep listen to his voice. Obstinance, obedience. His sheep listen to his voice. It says he calls his sheep by name. Those of you who have been around for a few years during the Easter season, and probably during other seasons, probably at funerals, there's a good chance you've heard me talk about that moment following the resurrection when Mary is in the garden and she encounters the risen Christ and she doesn't recognize him. What has always captured my heart is she's literally having a conversation with the risen Christ and she doesn't recognize him until when? When he calls her name. He says Mary. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness. This is Jesus. And to realize that we have a good shepherd who longs for us to respond in obedience and he knows our name. And sometimes loudly, sometimes gently, he's calling us by name and saying, will you follow me? So there's one right way to enter. There's one right shepherd. His sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name. And then it talked about how he leads his sheep and his sheep follow him. He wants to lead us. Do we choose to follow? Or do we say, yeah, I know, I know you're the shepherd and I know you think that would be a good idea, but I'm thinking I'm going to choose something different. Just this once. I still love you, Jesus. You know, you'll still be my shepherd when, I, when I'm ready for you to be. But I, I got this one. I'll follow you next time when I don't know for sure what to do. He leads his sheep that he knows by name, and they follow him. And then it's, it comes back and, and revisits something it said before. Early it said his sheep listened to his voice. They listened to his voice. But then it says his sheep know his voice. Now, again, I know that I'm a dinosaur, and I know sometimes I use references that make no sense to the rest of you young folks, all right? This is not a grumpy old man rat. This is just reality, all right? I, I, I know this. I, just, I can just see your heads exploding. There was a time when there was no caller ID. <laughs> I, I know you, you think I'm delusional, but... I'm sorry I have to wipe my nose. I don't think I have anything, but my nose is running. So I'm just paranoid. All right. I will keep my tissue to myself. 
All right, so in this time when there was no caller ID, when you would answer the phone, unless the person was really courteous and told you who was calling, the only way you knew who was calling was if you recognized their voice. It's funny because I got a call recently and it came up as a cell number that wasn't registered in my contacts. And the person was speaking rather quickly and I didn't catch their name and I didn't recognize their voice. And until I deciphered who it was, I wasn't sure I wanted to call them back because I didn't know their voice. To me, it stretches me And I wonder how many times I've ended up in a place of obstinance because either I wasn't paying attention or I had not cultivated my ability enough to recognize his voice when he speaks to me. Friends, I don't believe... Excuse me, let me restate that. I think it is extremely rare for God to be silent in our lives. Kind of like when you're in trouble at home, sometimes the silence is to get your attention, all right? I'm just saying, I've been married a long time, and sometimes when it's quiet, I know I've done something wrong, and I better figure it out. Guys, if you haven't figured that out by now, I just gave you a bonus lesson, all right? But sometimes I think I'm not hearing from God because I've not continued to cultivate the discipline of knowing His voice. And again, he will speak from a, from a plethora of different perspectives. Sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's something I see. Sometimes it's something somebody I don't even like has to say. Don't you just hate that when God speaks to you from somebody? You don't even like it. You don't like what they have to say. But God's saying, ah, you better just deal with this and listen. Sometimes it's from somebody who loves me enough to encourage me. Sometimes it's somebody who loves me enough to call me out. But I ask you today, when we think about choosing between obstinance and obedience, I ask you to think, what am I doing to enhance, enrich, develop my ability to know his voice? And then in that passage that I read, I should have put it up there, I got ahead of myself, Uh, but, but that passage that I read... When we talk about that choice between obstinance and obedience, I, again, you may not have caught it entirely, but it talks about in there about his sheep run from other voices. His sheep run from other voices. And friends, just... Deal with this however God would have you deal with it. But I think sometimes when we're hearing his voice and we don't like what he's having to say, we can run to other voices who are saying what we want to hear. I read a book a while back, and one of the many painful things it said was not everybody who agrees with you is your friend. And not everybody who disagrees with you is your enemy. Sometimes the voice that's telling us what we want to hear is not the voice that's telling us what's best for us to hear. 
So again, I personally felt stretched when it said his sheep, which friends, I want to be an obedient sheep. I want to be his sheep. And sometimes in order to do that, I have to be quick to run from voices that are not my shepherds. And in case you haven't crawled out from under your rock recently, no insult intended, there are a lot of voices. But only one of them is your good shepherd. And can I just say, I'm not, I'm not putting myself down. I try to speak truth to you. But friends, don't ever run to my voice over his voice. I, li- I like to think they're kind of on the same track most of the time. I'm not him, never will be, just don't have the capacity. I may be your shepherd as a part of caring community, but I'm not the good shepherd. What voices do we run to? Last on this obstinance versus obedience. He says it just very, very simply. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Again, friends, it's just one gate. I'm sorry. I know that's not popular. But it's biblical truth. So again, what are you choosing? Obstinance or obedience? I'm just going to go back to that image. You know, again, I picked that image on purpose because it's not a squiggly line that goes obedient and then sometimes disobedient or obstinate and obedient. I mean, we need to get committed to lean into, you know what? It's obedience. It's obedience. All right, so let's move on to the next intersection. This intersection I would simply characterize as empty or full. In John chapter 10, Jesus describes what it's like when our life intersects with that choice. And again, just let me back up a little bit because sometimes I get off track. But remember, we're thinking about some of the events leading up to Passion Week. And here, which oftentimes, if you're like me at all, I see John chapter 10 and the story about the Good Shepherd totally disconnected from the story about the crucifixion and resurrection. But they're not. And in this next part of that passage, Jesus makes it crystal clear. We're thinking about some of the events leading up to Passion Week. And here we have Jesus giving us a glimpse of what's going to happen. And this is one of those situations, as I read it, it's going to make perfect sense to us because we know what's coming. With the disciples, you and I both know that there was a point in time that after the resurrection, for some of them, they're sitting around talking, and the light bulb goes up. Jesus was talking about this when he was talking about the shepherd. I didn't get it then, but now it makes perfect sense. So that's kind of the the context here. As he describes a shepherd, 
Again, you know the story. He's describing a shepherd who would willingly lay down his life for a sheep. He's reminding us that we can either embrace the empty life of our choosing or we can opt for the full life that our good shepherd wants us to have. And again, I'm going to go old school and I'm going to actually read this from a printed Bible. We're going to pick up in John chapter 10. The whole empty and full thing, John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, let me just pause there, all right? Now, if you're like 99.9% of humanity, no, I won't, I won't judge you by that. I will say, for me, 99.9% of the time when I read that, that Jesus came that I might have life and have it to the full, I'm thinking, he's going to give me everything I want. My life is going to be full of everything that I want. That's what Jesus wants. It says it right there. But friends, I think when Jesus says he will give us life and give it to the full, he kind of has a different image in mind of what that full life is. And having tried to live with my full life, every day I'm increasingly coming to understand, you know what? My full life still leads me to feeling empty. I would much rather have his full life, even though it doesn't give me everything on my Christmas list. So again, Jesus says, <clears throat> the thief comes only to steal and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man who runs away because he's a hired man, excuse me, the man runs away because he's a hired man and cares nothing for the sheep. Friends, hear me well. There is only one good shepherd. We may be surrounded by people who care for us deeply, who love us deeply, who would literally lay their life down for us. But there's only one shepherd who can lay down their life or has laid down his life for you so that you might be free from sin and the bondage of death. And that's the good shepherd. Verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them all also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me and I lay down my life only to take it up, excuse me, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were divided, were again divided. Many of them said he's demon-possessed and raving mad. (laughs) Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Empty or full? 
just to go back, I know I went quickly. He started out in verse 10 and said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And then this, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now again, with the passage that I read, understand that the people hearing it didn't really get it till weeks, months down the road when all of a sudden, that's what it was all about. This whole arrest, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension. He was being obedient to what God called him to do, and he did it for me. A couple things in those verses I called back up. John 10, the full life that he desires for us. John 10, 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. He wants that type of relationship with us. But what I found... So it starts with being known by the Good Shepherd. It continues with actually knowing Him. He knows us. We're invited to know Him. But this is what really kind of stretched me. What kind of relationship does God want with us? He wants us to know Him on the same depth of relationship that He and His Father have. When I, when I process that, he wants us to know our shepherd the same way his father knows him and he knows his father. He laid down his life so that you and I might have that depth of relationship with God. And you know what I realized? As serious as I've taken my faith, I've been setting the bar too low. He wants me to know him at the same depth that he knows his father and his father knows him. And I didn't see that as a discouraging thing. I simply saw it as a suggestion. There's more to lean into as I seek to follow him. He didn't just give his life on the cross He didn't just come out of the tomb triumphant over sin and death so that I wouldn't go to hell. He did it so that I might know him at the level that he knows his father. I was like, oh my. I've been settling for less. To me when he talks about coming that we might have life and have it to the full, that's what he was talking about. That kind of full, close, real, personal, life-changing love relationship with him. Just as he related to his father. Living at the crossroads. As you, in your mind's eye, look forward to the life-changing power of the crucifixion and resurrection. This morning, I just invite you to wrestle with, on your own, 
Which roads are you choosing? Are you choosing passively obstinate? (laughs) Are you choosing actively thumb your nose at God obstinate? Or are you choosing intentional, willful obedience to say, God, I want to know your voice. I want to hear your voice. I want to follow your voice. Are you being distracted by pursuing the empty life of your choosing? Or are you making the choices to embrace the full life that the Good Shepherd wants for you? Because, friends, I don't mean to be simple. Yes, I do mean to be simplistic. I can guarantee you God wants better for you than you want for yourself. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given up his son to be the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. So I'm suggesting we start intentionally choosing to say, God, I want to lean into the full life that you want for me. Pray with me. Father, maybe we've thought about that before, or maybe we haven't thought about it before. But to understand that as selfish as we can be, you actually want better for us than we want for ourselves. I suspect this is probably painful, but I suspect that there are parents in this room who get that because they want so much better for their children than their children want for themselves. I suspect there are parents in this room who know the pain of seeing their children choose less and deal with the consequences. So, Father, I pray that you might help each of us to realize, help each of us to cultivate the capacity to hear your voice, help each of us to develop a will to follow your voice and to understand that sometimes our good shepherd may lead us in ways we don't understand perhaps even in ways that we don't really want to go but when it's all said and done he is the only good shepherd for his sheep Father we thank you we're humbled that you give us choices but we ask that you would give us the strength and the power and the discernment to choose obedience over obstinance and to choose the fullness that you have for us versus the emptiness of what the world tells us we want. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Craig?